what I've found is so important is to have these talks early on and introduce budgeting, planning, saving early on, the importance of saving. And once our children are at that point for higher education, for attending a college and university, pursuing a program of their dreams to better and change their life, to engage in the process, to really understand what financial aid is, what a loan is versus a grant, understand that loans and financial aid have to be paid back. Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Market Call Show. This is Lewis Giannis. I am the founder of WealthNet Investments. Today, we have an interesting topic, and I'm really excited about diving in, so let's get going. Good to see you. You as well, Lewis. It's so good to talk to you again. Last time we talked about student loans and all the different things, the intricacies of them. And just to remind our audience, Matt Chin works for Unisa. That's, did I get that pronounced? Pronunciation? Clo pretty close. <laughs> he works for Unisa, right. And you're a chief operating officer, is that right? Yes. And so your company manages and originates services, like a lot of loans. One of the things that's been on our minds lately is financial education for students sure. and how that's related to parents. You know, people going to college these days are thinking about so many different things. And we recently had a gentleman who teaches personal financial literacy for high school right. kids on, and you and I got to talking about this and it just became really clear that one of the things that we don't really talk about much is the financial education that kids need when they're dealing with student loans. Absolutely. I guess I would like to hear your viewpoint on what do you think parents should be teaching their kids about the expectations with money sure. when they start going out on their own and, or even before they go out on, sure. on their own into the world. Absolutely. No, I think, like you said, Lewis, for me, it's I've been doing on the student loan servicing side for 13 years. It's been amazing. It's flown by. But I think this topic of financial literacy, it's really caught my attention. And it's something I'm really passionate about and excited about. I see the tremendous opportunity we have out there to help our children and our future college students. And I think really, like you said, that what I've found is so important is to have these talks early on and introduce budgeting, planning, saving early on the importance of saving. And once our children are at that point for higher education, for attending a college and university, pursuing a program of their dreams to better and change their life, to engage in the process, to really understand what financial aid is, what a loan is versus a grant, understand that loans and financial aid have to be paid back a lot of times with an origination fee with interest i just think it's very crucial that our students are engaging early on and like you said i think even really it should happen early on in our homes and possibly even in middle school and high school there's more and more states that are rolling out initiatives to say hey we want financial literacy education in middle school or in high school as a requirement i live it every day working for a loan servicing company it's not uncommon a lot of parents actually 
want to manage the loan on behalf of their student, on behalf of their son or daughter, and not even have them engage in the process, just say, hey, we're handling it for our son or daughter. But I, I've seen it truly change a student's life when a lot of schools I work with actually roll out formal or informal financial literacy programs as part of their in-house financing, their payment plans, their in-house loans, their private loans. And I've seen those initiatives change a student's life to provide planning, saving, budgeting 101 info that they've never really thought about or managing a loan payment, having a monthly amount that's owed that really kind of gets them in the habit and provides a crash course for them on financial literacy and then helps them when they're out of school, when their federal loan repayment kicks in. And so that's why I get so excited about it, because I've seen something that small, you know, a first time college student that maybe has never managed a loan payment, but a, an institution helping them through a, an informal initiative. Hey, you're going to have a monthly payment due every month. We want to help you with it. If you've never thought about it, here's information on budgeting one-on-one and how you can create a budget. Here's the importance of monitoring and maintaining a good credit profile and so on and so on. And just kind of helping a student really open their eyes to say, gosh, I can do this and, and engage them, get some skin in the game. I've seen schools do even basic PowerPoint presentations, pizza parties, flyers or posters on their offices in their, their building to say, hey, have you ever thought about creating a budget? Looking at a simple budgeting 101 pie chart, here's essential expenses, necessary expenses and optional expenses and kind of show them how, you know, if they start to adjust and possibly minimize optional expenses, that will create the need for other payments they may have, like a tuition payment or a monthly payment plan. Yeah. So you, you said a whole bunch there. I want to back up just a little bit here. Let's So let's go back to the middle school. I know that my kids took a quote unquote financial literacy class in middle school. But when kids are at that age, they don't really know, they're not really ready to learn a lot of things yet. Right. Um, and then there's a lot of schools that don't have financial literacy sure. at the high school level. And I know that there's some loans that when you take them out, you have to take certain educational or at least read certain waivers and sign them. Right. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the middle school age. Let's start from there and work our way into when you're in college, if we can. Sure. So if I'm in middle school and I've got a kid in middle school, what kinds of things should I start teaching them then? I think really just introducing these topics and the importance of saving or being able to have an allowance or work to earn some income that can then be used to purchase something that our child is wanting. But I think just basic things like that to help them understand, hey, we, you know, I even my four-year-old, not too long ago, she kind of said, why do we need money? Like, you know, what's it for? Or why do you go to work? And I said, I go to work to earn money, to be able to pay for mm-hmm. the things that we need and, and mm-hmm. food in our home. And, but I, but I think that conversation just, with my kids, <laughs> <laughs> right? So it sounds yeah. to me like getting them in a situation where they're earning income of some sort that you help them with, because they're not obviously sure. not going to get employed at an earlier age, will teach them at least like handling money and having sure. some money that they can make some choices with. I think um, so. I think so for sure. I remember taking a an economics class. It was an elective in my freshman year of high school, which kind of opened my eyes to the whole topic. But I almost envisioned something similar 
even for middle schoolers, just basic info on economics and needing money to purchase things and saving. But I think even as small as having a piggy bank or opening a savings account for a middle schooler, having them work toward seeing them be able to receive some income and build it up and help them obtain an item or do something fun that they want to do, but show them mm-hmm. that you can work to earn and save and then get what you're looking for, whether that's an item or actually going out and doing something fun. Yeah, that's a great idea. I remember with our kids, we found these piggy banks that were kind of neat. They had, it was like yeah. a little house. Yeah. And the house, and there was a center house, and then there was two parts of the house, and they each had a little slots <laughs> you could put. Have you seen those? You yeah, put- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, this is the spending one. So you put right. you took your money and like 10% of it went into savings or 20%, I forgot what it was. And then the other 10% goes to charity to give it away, sure. help people sure. who are needy. And sure. then the rest of it, you could spend, you could buy what you want. Right. And we started off with that. I have to say they were not that disciplined. Just trying to get them disciplined on that was pretty rough. So, sure. so that makes a lot of sense. You get them started just kind of knowing about the basics of money and savings. Right. And then when they get to high school, and when I found out, we're talking to Reed Kinder, who is the teacher over at Mountain Vista. Right. He was telling me that kids don't really get it in terms of money until they get their first job and they're driving. Sure. I and can see that. That seems to be that milestone. Right. And so once they hit that point, and that's typically early junior year, late sure. sophomore year. Sure. Then they're getting close to taking the SAT and right. heading towards college and all of that. So what would you start teaching at that milestone? Well, it's funny because I even remember for myself, because once you're driving, you need gasoline and it opens you up to being able to go eat out and kind of do what you want for meals. So I think that's very important. And I recall that's one of the reasons I started to work, in fact, because it's, hey, I didn't have a necessarily a car payment. My folks helped me with that. But gasoline, going out, going to weekend outings and events and sports games and needing money for food and extracurricular. So I think that's really important or or to be able to just kind of engage your children so they have some skin in the game or even like that example, maybe the family helps with the car payment, but the student and child needs to pay for the gasoline just to kind of show that, hey, you do have to work towards something, you have to save, you have to contribute in some way. Because everything costs money, and it's and it's well, only going say, up, right? I have to say, I don't know what your mom did, but she did a good job with you she and your did. two brothers. Okay, she did. She and, really did, and she did an excellent job. In fact, I was talking about that with my wife. Yeah, I was like, that's amazing because you know we have clients that we've seen in all different scenarios, and and given your situation in your family, I was it's pretty incredible. What she did. What would you say the secret of what your mom did with YouTube, with your you know, your siblings? I th- thank you so much for the compliments. I think it was like I'm saying this kind of shared understanding of I'm not going to give everything to you. You have to to work and help. And it was just my mom there for a while, just her raising me and and my brothers. And I think that was it. It was like a shared responsibility, or just to understand that hey, we I can't cover absolutely everything. And if you're going to be working, I'd like you to to save and understand the importance of saving and using it for essential things that you need every day, like food and gasoline and and then extracurricular things you like and want. So 
I remember sure. just wanting you said to- the word, I'm not yeah. to interrupt you there, but you yeah. said the word shared responsibility or that phrase, <laughs> shared responsibility. That is yeah. beautiful. That is the key. How do we share the responsibility? And at what sure. age do you start doing that? At what age did you feel like you were starting to be introduced to shared responsibility? I think when I got my first job, for sure. And so 15, I started at a golf course and then 16 at a pizza place. But that was also the thing I think my mom really helped with because I was excited to work. I thought I thought it was neat. And she kind of got me excited about, hey, you can start working and saving and making some income. And so that's how I was brought up, just that it's a positive. It's an exciting thing. It can help you better yourself, better your family. So I think for sure that's when it was for me. And I kind of enjoyed it. I liked being out there and, and making some money. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was pretty neat. And and I think my mom, for the most part, set it up where I could save most of it. She said, you don't have to be working now, but you're doing it. So she helped me kind of open a, a checking account and savings and actually kind of observe it as it was occurring. So I think that was for sure it. When I became of age, got my first job, then started to drive, and then it all fell into place. And always stressing the importance of saving. Don't spend it all, but you're working Mm -hmm. hard. You deserve to spend some, a portion of it, but definitely always save some, and it'll be needed down the road. So really instilling the ethic or the habit of saving absolutely consistently that was a big part of that, I remember. And then the other thing I was going to ask you is at what point do you feel like you actually started saving or converting some of that to, and when did you start figuring out about investing, not just the bank, but so the first step, I guess to back up a little bit, the first step at that age is have a checking account let them see money coming in with the job, let them see the taxes, learn about sure. taxes and the habit of saving. Sure. But then when does it convert to the conversation about college versus sure. investing? So like I know sure. not all kids have the ability to have help from their parents. And that's what I want to get into. Sure. There's some people that are going to have help from their parents and no loans. And there's some people that are going to have loans and no, like sure. I mean, there's extremes. So of course. let's talk about the person that has no help at all right, right now, if we can. Sure. And they're going to be having to take loans out, but they've already gotten a job now. This is kind of a typical thing that I'm seeing right now. They've got a job sure. now. What would you start teaching them in high school while they're taking their SATs and all that stuff? They haven't even figured out where they're going to go yet about paying for college. Well, that it's, it can be expensive. And I think to really start to look, especially in high school, working with your career services, your counselors, to look at the potential jobs that you could get into based on the programs of study and the majors. And I think to really look at the big picture as far as, well, if this is what you're going after for employment and for a career, what do those incomes look like short and long term? And then kind of back into the the different school options. And does it make sense if your income is X, but you want to go to the prestigious state university that costs potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars? Is it is it worth it? Are you willing to go into potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, which you could be paying off for several years, 
but kind of look at that really what what are the uh, roles and jobs that are in high demand the careers that are in high demand i think really engineering it accounting medical i think really specialized fields is going to be where it's at i studied business management and marketing which was great but certainly if i could do it over i would push myself for accounting or economics something more specialized i see the tremendous need for specialized careers out there to kind of keep their options open too, there's community colleges, there's vocational and career colleges, there's traditional type universities. I would definitely be open to any type of option out there. And I think the traditional four-year university route still works and is a goal for many, but keep in mind all options. Community college may be an option. A lot of states are rolling out pilot programs of potentially free community college. I worry a little bit about the product sometimes. And in some cases, at community colleges, the enrollment numbers are capped if you're going into a specialized area like dental or medical. Career colleges, I work with some clients that they provide great careers in medical and, and welding and aviation maintenance. And these are short programs. Some of them are five months long, some less than a year long, and they could be significantly less than that of a traditional four-year university. And you're maybe accruing less debt and you're out there working quickly in a quick amount of time. So showing them the options of different careers, different colleges, different routes, of education, trade versus four-year universities, showing those options. And then at this point, one of the things that was pointed out to me in the past was that most kids don't really know themselves well enough to be able to determine what their career should be. Like sure. you can make that career choice based purely on what the numbers say. Right. In fact, I actually saw a graph that actually had an X and Y axis. That The X axis was the amount of math that you need to know Sure. And the other, the, the y-axis was how much you made. And right. The more math you need to know, the more degrees that were associated with the math paid sure. the most. And it was like all sure. those things that you talked about, uh, other than nursing, the rest of them, and nursing was kind of in the middle, whereas gotcha. you know, engineering and economics and all that was higher. Sure. On the thing. And, and not everybody is a math whiz. <laughs> so, right. Very uh, true. I think somehow there's this point, there's this kind of a chasm for many kids where they go from, I don't really know myself and I'm not sure, but there's pressure to pick which college you're going to go to and pick sure. your career path. How do you navigate that gap? I don't know if sure. I'm answering the question in a way that makes That's sense. That's a great question and a tricky one because do our children really know at 17 or 18? But I think, Lewis, to really do everything we can to try to prepare them up to that point, and maybe they shadow some of our folks in that career, or they maybe they do some type of internship program, paid or unpaid, to just say, gosh, do, do any of these specialized fields interest you at all? And then try to get them involved, I think. But you do bring up a good point. But I think if they could have an opportunity to do that, it would be worth their while. I just thought of this, Lewis. I was working with the University of Wyoming, and they rolled out a really neat initiative. It's called Reality Town. You may have heard of it. I haven't. If you Google it, they talk about sometimes they do it in middle school and high school environments, but it's essentially they recruited a number of businesses in their community, banks, credit unions, police officers, firefighters, 
And essentially for about 100 attending college students, they took them into a conference area for a few days and basically gave them a crash course on life. And as each student arrived, they were given a career to say, okay, you're a car mechanic and you have a a family, you have a a wife and two children, and you have a car payment, and you have a student loan payment, and kind of just walk through life, and the police officers would walk around and help them understand the need for saving and emergency funding. Hey, you have a medical or an automotive bill you didn't think about, or something came up, your child was sick or ill, you had an unexpected bill to pay for, but they kind of were able to show these different students based on their different careers and income, again, within this made up environment for the weekend of, hey, here's what it's like. Here's what monthly bills are like and and payments. And you could see how much your income does impact that and, and depend on that. But I think really, if they could get experience early on going to shadow folks in those fields, internships, And if not, at the very least, maybe take some of those general courses early on, maybe the first or second year of college, but then as soon as possible, sooner than later, try to kind of focus in and hone in on one of those specialized careers that likely will have great employment in the future and great earnings. If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to WealthNetInvest.com and click on the Schedule a Call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. I'm just thinking about how to name these phases of education. It's the kind of the priming phase. You're priming them for what can be in the real world. And you kind of go through a couple of different priming. It's all priming, really. You're priming them before that, like what the universities are going to be like and how much it's going to cost. And then you probably at that point should probably set the expectation how much you're probably going to be able to help them as a parent. I think a lot of parents don't think that through. They don't set an expectation with their children as as terms of like how much they can or cannot help. I've seen kids that got helped a lot, maybe too much, that go go south because they had too many resources. And then I've seen other kids that didn't have the expectation that they were going to have to handle more themselves. And then when they got to that situation, it was really hard on them. So we've gotten into college now. So let's say we've selected a a university or whatever institution you're going to go to. Sure. And now students got to finance that first semester, right? Let's just start with somebody who has no help, because I think that would be the most education that needs to happen. What would you say they need to learn about their financing options in terms of not specific financing options like which plan? but the categories that they would need to understand about a loan, having a loan. Of course. Chances are they're going to have a loan or a grant, right? Exactly. A hundred percent. And you know, what's interesting, Lewis, a lot of my clients are innovative and forward thinking, and they've turned to YouTube, which has been really helpful for students just to, like you said, to introduce them to financial aid 101. What is a loan versus a grant? There's some great websites out there. The Department of Education, studentaid.gov, breaks down a private loan versus a federal loan. I think YouTube is very helpful and very popular for our children and our first-time college students. And you can just search student loan repayment, financial aid, FAFSA tips. But I think knowing 
that's what kind of opened my eyes being working for a servicer for many years. It's not uncommon that folks might think financial aid is free or that loans do not need to be repaid. Mm. And that can be a very scary thought. And, and that's kind of what opened my ideas to see how important financial literacy is. But understanding that a loan, it does need to be repaid. There might be a origination fee for certain loans. Interest will be accruing while you're attending. So before you even make your first payment, you may have an origination fee and interest accrued. And what does that look like? So your your $5,000 loan is, is not 5,000 anymore. It's more. Mm -hmm. um, and here's what that looks like. So I think a lot of schools, most all schools are typically offering, there is an opportunity to forego federal student loans and pay in full, have a short-term payment plan, even paying in full over the semester. And ideally, that would be the way to go to not pay interest, not have an origination fee on a federal student loan. So I think definitely I would encourage students and their families to inquire about any payment plans, in-house options. I do see more and more schools fighting for enrollments. The enrollment pools are shrinking out there. I think some folks are looking at, is a four-year traditional expensive university worth it? And so there's a big fight for enrollments out there. So I see a lot of schools thinking outside of the box saying, hey, let's try to provide some other financing options, maybe through our local banks or credit unions, or maybe in-house, maybe the actual college or university has an in-house student-friendly loan program or model available. So I would definitely, you know, federal student loans are always there and readily available. And someone with nothing could certainly just go that route. But be wary of the origination fees of the interest rate, the interest accrual. And I even tell my own family when they ask, I would try to forego that if at all possible. Even some of the parent loans out there, like a parent plus loan, the interest rate could be close to 7%. The origination fee could be over 4%. So you might even be able to get a private loan with, with a better rate as opposed to getting that federal student loan. Okay. Yeah. So YouTube, <laughs> that's right? awesome. I love that. Sure. YouTube and then kind of get it understand. So parents need to get educated. When should the parents start getting educated about financing options? Should it be freshman year, junior year, senior year? When oh, should gosh. they start looking? Well, like you said early on, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think if our parents can be honest with their children to say upfront early on to say, hey, here's what we have saved. Here's what we can help you with or can't help you with. So I would say absolutely early on, freshman year of high school, perhaps. And I think that would be very helpful for a potential first time college student to know, okay, here's what my folks can help me out with. If I want to go to this university I've always dreamed of, here's potentially the loans I'd have to take out. And then what does that look like? You know, using a loan calculator online. Well, that means I might be paying that off over 30 years or 10 years, or here's what my monthly payment would be. It's hard to have that discussion so early on, but that could impact your future decisions in life, getting married, uh, starting a family, purchasing a home or a vehicle. <laughs> but I think that's what's it's really true. to happen, you know, to say, hey, do you really want to take out hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans? And and again, I've surveyed some students and borrowers that they wouldn't change it for the world. They're doctors or they're engineers sure. or IT professionals. And they said, hey, I have the loans, but I, I love what I do and I'm happy with it. 
but I think <laughs> so. So I have, I have you ever heard of the show called Love Is Blind? Oh yeah, I have actually. So there was one couple that actually wound up getting married. Yeah. Where she did you? I don't know if you saw this, but she said, "Um, just so you know, I have twenty thousand dollars in student loans, and I didn't graduate." Right. Right. <laughs> and the guy, the guy was an engineer, so he was like, right. he was like, "Oh my gosh!" Just slapping his head. He was like, what, "Do I want to marry this girl?" So yeah, that's real. That's a very real thing, and then it also affects your ability your credit and all those other sure. things, you know, your ability to buy a home. And those are all really important things. But I'm a big believer, though, I have to tell you, I'm a big believer that nobody, there's <laughs> almost anybody can go to college if they really sure. want to. I hear sure. a lot of people, and I've said this before with you talking to you, that they, you know, they say, oh, I don't know, so expensive and all If you really want to, you can go. Sure. And you can earn the money to pay it back. And you, know, you don't want to do something crazy. Like I heard right. somebody say, don't go to DU uh, if you're going to be, you know, I don't know, basket weaving or something. I don't know. Right, um, right. So that, that makes some sense. So I want to kind of stay focused on education, really sure. from the parent's perspective. So there's two levels of education. There's a parent has to get educated enough to help guide the child to sure. become educated. Sure. And so probably early in high school, if you have sure. kids in high school and you don't know much about the aid options and you don't have much money to help them out. Sure. You, it's, I think it's good for you to kind of learn how to learn what's out there. You go on sure. YouTube. Besides YouTube, how can a parent learn more? What other resources are there available to parents who are wanting to learn earlier on what sure. the financing choices are? Definitely during the enrollment and admissions process at colleges and universities and the packaging process, I would encourage them to be there with their children, help them understand the different options, the fine print. We hear so much in our field, well, I didn't, I didn't read what I signed. I didn't mm. read the document. I didn't read the fine print. And I feel for students and their families because the disclosures kind of keep growing and growing. I mean, a simple... <laughs> payment plan, believe it or not, it might be 15 pages nowadays. But you kind of brought this up earlier too. A lot of these programs and loans have entrance counseling and exit counseling, but that's another way too a student and their families can really engage in exactly what they're signing and really even give them an opportunity before they sign. Okay, what specifically are the provisions? What are the consequences? What if I can't make my payment? What if I default? Things like that. Even some private loans nowadays, there's a three-day, you can cancel it even after you've signed, three days after you've signed. So I think just really reading everything, asking questions to those financial aid and bursar offices, engaging in the process of entrance counseling, because really it breaks down the provisions. The goal is to provide reminders of here's your interest rate. Here's how it's calculated. Here's what your in and out of school payments will be. Here's what happens if you stop paying information about credit reporting. And I think this goes back to our last topic too, the importance of credit reporting and helping our children and potential students know, hey, if you default on a student loan, here's what it can do to your credit. If your credit is impacted, here's how that can impact your other decisions in life and your other purchases that you attempt. Mm. Um, oh so yeah, what are the consequences of having a bad credit report? Yeah. 
Like, oh, oh did gosh. you want to have a house? Sure, right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. How long is that going to be on your record? And sure. your kids need to understand that fully so that when they're taking a loan out, this is a loan, it must be paid back. It's not like, and I think what happens is, is when you're a kid and you're growing up, mom and dad are always taking care of things for you. If you were used to getting a Starbucks every morning on your way to school, Tina uh, was just telling me about that. She knows kids that are just used to mom's always doing that, but then they get to college. It's like, sure. oh, I can't afford that $5 every morning right? for that macchiato or whatever I'm having. Sure. So all these little things can become, the sooner they can learn that in sure. real life, I think the better so shared responsibility is the name of the game. I think I want to title this shared responsibility. This is what I, it is. I love it. Even Lewis, thinking about paying while attending in-school payments, not potentially deferring the loan in debt. If you have the opportunity yes. to pay it down or prepay, absolutely do that. And, and that's what I've seen. You brought up Starbucks. I've seen innovative forward-thinking schools have in-school payments with students to say, hey, we want you to pay down this debt while you're attending. And imagine a nominal payment, even $100 a month payment, $50 a month payment, and you can do the math and the wheels could start turning in a student's head to say, well, hey, that's, that's two Starbucks a week. I could do that. I've witnessed a school counsel students like that to say, hey, if, if you want to attend, we will have you have a monthly payment, but you can do it. And think about cutting out your two Starbucks a week, and then there's your payment. And then mm -hmm. the student go up, you know, feeling empowered and engaged and saying, you know what, I can do that. I can do that. And then I think perhaps education too, it's more valuable. They have skin in the game. They're going to school to earn their education. And it's not like it's just deferred or they don't have to pay anything while they're attending. And Yeah, and they don't have to do it all. They're like, they, maybe you can't yeah. afford to pay the whole thing off, but whatever sure. you can pay now, pay it now. And, 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 don't, and that way you're not compounding that interest because, as you know, compounding is a bad thing. If it's a loan, it's a great 100%. thing if it's an investment. Sure. If you're going to compound something, do it when you're investing, not when you're paying <laughs> a loan. Exactly. Because so, that's basically what it is. It's a compounding, especially if you're paying interest as you're still going to school. And it just Absolutely. Builds, and builds and builds up that it becomes a problem. Let's just say it costs you more. So sure. even a, a student that's working, so that's a really good point. So let's say a student is working and they yep. can afford to, or mom and dad can help out with part of that or some combination thereof. Sure. Mom and dad pays some of it and then the student works and pays some of it. And then it's not such a bad, big burden. That's a great, great point. What kind of final things would you say to a parent specific because who's going to listen to this is going to be the parents what would you kickstart them with to say this is what you should do this is my advice to you right now sure just for the average parent who's got a high school kid of course i think absolutely to save 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 early on if at all possible have those conversations with your children early on as well. Introduce them to budgeting, to saving, to planning, the importance of financial literacy so they have some information before their tuition payment or student loan payment kicks in. Mm -hmm. And I really like what you said. Try to be honest and upfront and transparent and strategic, whereas, you know, hey, here's what we have saved for you. Here's what we mm -hmm. can contribute to your education. And then to really just help open a student's eyes to the actual cost of education, what that means, 
basic loan one-on-one, what's interest, how does it work? You're actually not just paying back the principal. It will be more. And then perhaps just talking with you now, Lewis, I think getting them involved in different specialized fields. And if, if they do excel in science or math or IT to take advantage of that, to try to sooner than later, think about that and say, hey, maybe this is for you then. Maybe you could pursue engineering or IT or accounting. I think the real key with that, by the way, sidebar is that they really look honestly at themselves because yes. there's a lot of kids right now that are going into engineering and all that stuff and they're not really cut out for it. They're just going there, there because go. they see the dollar signs and that's yep. the wrong thing for them. They should not do it. And then sure. in fact, they're going to wind up either failing out or being so unhappy. Right. I can't tell you how many people I know that became lawyers, for example, sure. which is different, but became right. a lawyer and hated it. And so just a little sidebar. So go, go on. You were saying something and I kind of interrupted you. So I think that's the key to it, though. Having a student understand, though, if the parent cannot take care of everything, that they will, it, it is their responsibility. It's their loan. Mm-hmm. They are the borrower of the student loan. Mm-hmm. And not to scare them or take the wind out of the sails, but to understand the true cost of it and what are the consequences and what if I what if I don't graduate and do I still have to pay it back? What if I have loans, but I'm not working? To kind of work through those tough scenarios to help them up front make a good decision. And like you said, look at all the higher education options out there. Keep in mind your community colleges, your vocational career colleges, your traditional schools, and certainly take advantage. You have to do some work, but there's lots of grants out there, local scholarships, things like that. They're not super easy to find, but Mm -hmm. ask your high school about it. Ask your potential college or university about it. Ask your community about it. So there are Mm -hmm. ways that you can get some grants, some scholarships, anything at all to lessen the amount of loans that you take out. So one of the things I thought about when you were talking was that really, even before, like, by the time you have a kid in middle school, hopefully you could look at where you are and hopefully you have your own financial plan. Your parents have been doing financial planning and they need to spend most of the resources on retirement, which sometimes that's the case. A lot of times then they know, but if a parent hasn't been doing any planning at all, no financial planning, then they are not even in a position to know, like, am I on track for my retirement? And then sure. that seems to be the competing thing, depending on how old the, the parent is, Sure, uh, the retirement planning versus the college for, and a lot of our clients are rich. Okay. So let's just be honest about that. They're not making these decisions, but this sure. is something that's needed. They need to understand. There's so many people that are, are not preparing their kids. The financial literacy rate for parents is so low, which sure. is perpetuating the financial literacy for their children. Sure. And in order for them to break out of that path, there has to be like some defining beginning point. Sure. So and I think the advice that you've brought here today can be the ticket for these parents. hundred percent. It may be tough conversations to have, but I've truly seen it change a student's life forever Mm -hmm. to kind of embrace with budgeting and financial literacy and economics. I've literally seen it. That's why I get so excited about it because it kind of can springboard them on to the rest of their life to have fiscal responsibility, be able to manage their finances, save, retire. So I do think it can happen early on. And that's why I'm a big supporter, too, of those in-school payments for college and university students, because they have skin in the game and they're, yeah. they have to save and they have to make a payment. And I have seen it help them 
for the rest of their life. So that that's, they're that's really good old. advice for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. All right, Matt, thank you so much again for coming on and giving My good pleasure, stage Liz. advice. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks for Bye, having buddy. me. Take care. Take care. For the latest episode of The Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. The information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.